Hey everyone, Dave Therrien here. Thanks for joining me today. New Hope Radio, the Hope Club Podcast. Also want to remind you, we're on Instagram too. Every morning, 6 a.m. live, we bring you a short little devotional message to kind of get ready for the day. But on Instagram, you can watch it anytime during the day as well. Find Dave Therrien, 6034, and be part of our online Instagram Bible study. We're taking a look at some of the men of the Bible, but it's for you two ladies, so it's not like, you know, just for guys. And um, some of them have some real qualities of faith, and we want to learn from them. Yesterday we talked about Noah, a man against the world. Oh, yeah. Minority of the crowd, that's for sure. Today we're going to take a look at Abraham. Abraham was a man of peace, prayer, and he was also... Proven. Three good qualities, wouldn't you say? A person of peace, a person of prayer, and whose faith in God was proven. In this study on the person of Abraham, we're going to see those three aspects of his walk with God. And how important it is to, as we study people like this, we see that, number one, it can be done, and number two, try to emulate these wonderful qualities of these men of faith. This man had faith in God, and like gold tried in the fire, it was proven. It certainly was. And that's what faith is, you know. For faith to really be seen for the valuable aspect that it has, it's got to be proven. And God will see to it that our faith is proven at times in our lives. So, in each of these instances, Abraham had the opportunity to reveal his character. Let's get right at it. We open up in Genesis chapter 13. Abraham found himself in a very comfortable place in life. He had become a successful businessman, and he lived in a very modern city for his day. And like many men and women today, hard work and determination had paid off. Nothing wrong with those. Those are good qualities. He had accumulated for himself and his family large herds of livestock, flocks of sheep, gold, silver, and many servants. One thing this lesson teaches us, having a lot of stuff is not necessarily the path to peace. Abraham did have a lot of stuff, but we'll see that he found something even, oh, more valuable, something that even his possessions could not buy. So in Genesis chapter 13, verse 1, Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev. He and his wife and all that belonged to him and Lot with him. Now, Lot was his nephew. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel, 
to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai. Now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. So, when God called Abram out of the city of Ur, he took along with him his nephew Lot. Verse 6, Genesis 13. And the land could not sustain them while dwelling together. You know why? They had a lot of stuff. Their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. See, sometimes having too much stuff, it results in having too much trouble. Have you noticed that? You ever see gated communities? I got nothing against them. But sometimes people move into gated communities to protect their stuff. They have a lot of stuff and they have to protect it. Solomon said in Proverbs 30 verse 8, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. In other words, give me what I need. That I not be full and deny you, Lord, and say, Who is the Lord? <clears throat> or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. So he's saying, you know, the best life is the one that's like down the middle of the road. Not too much, not too little, just right. In verse 7, here's what happened. There was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Contention began to build, probably because the livestock were getting mixed up. It was getting difficult to shepherd them. And there may have also been a shortage of good pasture land and fresh water. So in verse 8, Abram had an idea. He said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Sounds like a good deal. We often see strife over things, don't we? We witness it all the time. Children fighting over toys. Nations fighting over land. Sound familiar? Russia. Moving into Ukraine. Why? They want more land. China is going to move into Taiwan. Why? They want more land. The Middle East, forget about it. It's a nightmare. Think of the things in your own life that you have found yourself locking horns over. A parking space? A referee's call on the field? Oh, how about this one? Your seat in church. I hear there are actually people that get upset when somebody takes their seat in church. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, what? <laughs> that is crazy. Someone took his, be thankful. Be thankful the seats are getting filled. That's another story. But we have things that haunt us all day long. As we look at Abraham, we see that there can always be a more peaceable response to the situation. So when we find ourselves in these strife, strifle, striving, what's that word anyway? 
striving situations, ask yourself, was there another way I could have handled that situation? Can I learn to handle these things peacefully? I mean, it's only a parking space. It's only a chair. And in my church, I'm supposed to be godly, right? The call on the field, whether I like it or not, it doesn't affect my life. See, when you live the life of God, you exercise your faith. And when you live the life of faith, you waive your rights and you let God choose for you. Sometimes it looks like if God chooses for you, you're going to lose out. But even if it looks that way, with God, you never lose out. Abraham had the right to choose whatever land he wanted. You know why? He was the older one. He had more stuff. He was the one God called to go out there. But because of his faith, he didn't make the choice. Lot, you make the choice, and whatever God gives me, that's good enough for me. So here's what we see. When you reach an impasse with someone, choose the way of peace rather than the way of privilege. I like that. Choose the way of peace rather than the way of privilege. You will experience what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the sons of God. Not only was Abraham a man of peace, he was also a man of prayer. See, when Lot chose the land that he would dwell in, he actually chose a place that was contrary to his own morals, to his own convictions. Maybe he didn't know it at the time. Probably not. He chose the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what happened there, right? But because Abraham didn't choose for himself, he actually ended up with the better land. So now we find him in Genesis 18, verse 20. And the Lord said, The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. Oh, there was wickedness going on there, man. Look out. So Abraham, the man of prayer. Remember what prayer is, speaking to God. That's it. Doesn't have to be eloquent. It is certainly not repetition. It's speaking to God. And God saw the wickedness of those cities. He's like, boom, I'm going to take them down. I got to wipe out that wickedness. It's no good for humanity. So he asked the Lord if he would destroy the city. And in verse 23 of Genesis 18, Abraham Abraham came near and he said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Lord, now remember prayer is talking to God, right? Lord, what if there's 50 people that are righteous? And there's 2,000 people that are unrighteous. You're going to take them all down? Even the 50? So he said, if there's 50, will you spare the city? And the Lord said, you know what? No. If there's 50, I'll spare the city. Well, Abraham went back and forth with God. Well, wait a minute. He started thinking about it. Well, what if there's 40? 
<laughs> God said, you know what? For 40, I won't destroy him. Abraham's thinking, oh, what if there's 30? God's like, for 30, I won't destroy it. He says, God, how about 20? <laughs> and the Lord says, oh, for 20, okay, I won't destroy it. And then he, <laughs> Abraham, boy, talk about a guy that can test God's patience. Huh? How about 10? If there are 10 righteous, will you not destroy the city? And God said he would not destroy the city. But apparently, there were not even 10 righteous people. So Abraham shows us three things. Number one, we can feel free in God's presence. Because he seemed to go back and forth with God at ease. Think about that. He kind of contended with God. But that's how tight he was with God. See, we're not robots. We're not dogs being trained. We are human beings. And God knows our frame. So do you think you can contend with God? Say, God, yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but God, what about that? Can negotiate with God. That's what Abraham did. Secondly, Abraham teaches us we can always expect an answer from God. God gave him an answer every time. And he didn't rebuke him. He didn't say, you know, Abraham, you're trying my patience. No. He entertained him. He answered every question. Now, sometimes God's answers take a while, but they do come. The third thing we learn, when we pray, prayer is not just for me. It's for others. Abraham was going to God, not on behalf of himself, on behalf of other people. Sometimes those are the best prayers when you pray for others. It shows that your heart has been enlarged and there's room for more in your heart, more people, other people. Think of someone in your own life right now who may be struggling or hurting. God is waiting to hear from you regarding their situation. How often do you pray for others? and ask God to intervene. Maybe it's their health. Maybe it's their finances. Maybe it's a uh, their vocation. Maybe it's a, just an inner struggle that they're having. To go to God on behalf of someone else. It's a beautiful thing. Abraham is a man of peace. He's a man of prayer. And he's also a man who was proven. And perhaps this was the worst time of his life. Just when Abraham thought he'd been through it all, think about what he did. He left his home country, Ur. It was a beautiful city, very modern for that day. All of his wealth, his friends, everything was there, but he left it. Then he had conflict with Lot's servants. They had to separate. Then he saw Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed. Fire and brimstone came down. Took it all out. But then God brings him the ultimate opportunity to prove his faith. In Genesis 22. And it opens up in verse 1. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. 
And he said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And God said, Take now your son, your only son, not like he had four more, your only son, whom you love. I know you love him, Abraham. Take your son, Isaac. Go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Man, worst day of your life, isn't it? After a three-day journey, think about it. He had three days to think about this while they were walking toward Mount Moriah. They arrived at the place of sacrifice, Mount Moriah. In verse 9, Then they came to the place of which God had told him. Abraham built the altar there, arranged the wood, bound his son Isaac. I don't know what Isaac's thinking. And he laid him on the altar. On top of the wood. I'm like, what a strange situation. I mean, what's Isaac thinking? What's he saying? Dad, what, 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 what's going on, Dad? Isaac must have loved his father and trusted him the same way Abraham loved God and trusted him. In verse 10, Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. What? He's coming down with the knife. Verse 11. But the angel of the Lord. Oh, here comes the cavalry. But the angel of the Lord called to him. I think that was Jesus himself. Not an angel, the angel. That's Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Said, Abraham, Abraham. Said, here I am. And he said, here's where Abraham's bad day turns into a good day. Do not stretch out your hand against the lad. Do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. How far does God take us to prove our faith? Well, for Abraham, he took him to the brink. He took him to the cliff. He couldn't go any further than that. Now think about it. If Abraham couldn't go any further than demonstrating his faith by bringing his son to a sacrificial altar, do you think God can go any further in demonstrating his love by sacrificing his own son? He went to the brink too, for us, so we would know God so loved the world that he did give his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. See, faith is like a precious gem, but it must be proven. You know, gold is proven. A diamond is proven. Guys, you go out and you buy a diamond engagement ring and they put it under that little glass Examining glass like a little microscope type thing. 
And what are they looking for? Flaws in the diamond. See, it's not so much the, the size of the diamond, it's the clarity of the diamond. I know when I got, when I was young and I bought a diamond for my wife-to-be, Donna, I went to the jewelry store and found a diamond. It was a little one. <laughs> it was little, but you know what it was? Clear. It wasn't big and yellow. It was tiny and clear. <laughs> so it had more value. That's what I say. That's what the jeweler said. He said, oh, this is a clear diamond. This is pure. This is good. It's not too big, but it's pure. It's clear. That's a good one. I'll take it. And there it is. See, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.13, each man's work must become evident. For the day will show it because it's to be, re- or be revealed with fire. The fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. So God is looking for quality in our work, in our faith, just like quality in that gold or in that diamond. Peter said, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So yeah, when we're going through it, we don't like it. But when it's all said and done and Christ is revealed, boom, we have great, precious faith. So in order for this proving to be authentic, it comes in the most sensitive areas of life, that your faith might be tested regarding your vocation, or it could be tested regarding a loved one, or even your own health, your own personal health. Your faith in God can be tested. And you don't know what God's going to do. He might bring healing. He might not. He might take you home. You might struggle. But faith must be proven. The question is, how much do I really trust God? That's the question. How much confidence do I have in him? See, God not only put Abraham's faith to the test, but he also put his own character to the test. The ram that was provided by God in place of Isaac, because when the Lord said, do your son no harm, Abraham saw a lamb caught in the thicket, and that was a sacrificial animal. So the ram that was provided by God in place of Isaac was a picture of the coming Christ who would be sacrificed in place of mankind. All three of these experiences in Abraham's life can help us with our own faith. They can. Think about it. That's why I love the Bible. And I love a lot of these Old Testament stories. Sometimes their story is our story. Can you find yourself on Mount Moriah? Can you find yourself interceding for others in Sodom and Gomorrah? Can you find yourself trying to have a peaceful resolution to a difficult situation? Of course, we can all identify with Abraham. So what do we learn from him? Number one, giving up his right to choose 
where he would dwell. He says, you know what? I'm not going to choose. I'm going to leave it. I'll let God place me where he wants me. Interceding on behalf of others. How good for the soul that is to come to a place where you can allow other people into your prayer life. And thirdly, following God in complete obedience. I'm like, whew, complete obedience. Not like, you know, a little obedience. Complete obedience. Therefore, do not be surprised when you're suddenly confronted with a challenge to choose to be faithful to God or to someone else or even self. At the end of the day, who will I be faithful to? And it's time like these that we begin to understand how deep our love for God really is. Or maybe it isn't. Maybe God wants us to see how much we love Him and how much we trust Him. That's important. We need to have a reality check. I think many times as Christians we can say that we, you know, we love God and we honor Him, but the circumstances we find ourselves in can often demonstrate how true that really is. We all have a Mount Moriah, and that's the opportunity to demonstrate the faith that we profess that we have, to have that love, to have that trust toward Him that gave Himself for us. Abraham's life has many stories to it, and it wasn't perfect, not at all. He made his mistakes, but you know, when you get to Hebrews 11, you know the great thing is? His mistakes are never mentioned, just his victories. Why? Because Christ came and paid for those mistakes, just like yours and just like mine. He paid for our mistakes. That's good to know. Carry that with you every day. Hey, find this message again at the Hope Club Podcast, wherever podcasts are found. Don't forget, join me on Instagram, Dave Therry on Instagram, 6034. Wake up in the Bible Cafe. Start off the day with the Word of God and the beverage of your choice. Thank you for joining me today. We'll see you next time.